It's great to be together worshipping uh, here this morning. Um, my name's David, uh, David Underhill. I'm on the staff here as well at New Peninsula, uh, and it's great to be worshipping together. Welcome to those who are watching online with us. Uh, and we're up to um, Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy, and we're up to chapter 2, the last couple of verses, 20 to 22, 26, if you want to follow along um, this morning. Uh, And just before we get into it, uh, I saw this beautiful little moment down here, down the front here. Um, There was these two boys who came down the front. They're maybe that tall, each of them, you know. And uh, one of them just put his arms around the other and gave him a big hug and said, How are you, mate? (laughs) Oh, how cute. (laughs) Um, It was a beautiful example of living the way of the kingdom, uh, like Kiara was talking about. But uh, another thing before we get into this morning, uh, and which helps us think a little bit about what's going on in the passage today, uh, have you ever noticed how your behaviour is often influenced by what you think other people think of you, or about what you want other people to think of you, or what you think you ought to do so that other people think well of you? <laughs> have you ever noticed how you, you kind of use that, there's this kind of filter that you're using uh, that modifies your behaviour in certain um, uh, certain environments. So like if someone's coming over, so you've got a friend, John's coming over, um, and you think, oh, John's coming over, I better tidy up. And so you look around, and there's nothing really to tidy. There's a couple of cushions to move or something. There's a cup, take the cup off the table, put it in the sink or whatever. But you kind of, it's affected your behaviour. You kind of think, oh, the house should look tidy. That sense of, I want them to think well of me. That um, When my father-in-law, who was, who's a lawn um, uh, like just absolutely passionate about his lawn. He would spend hours and hours digging the weeds out, you know, just down there on the ground, lying down, picking them out. Um, And he had one of those special mowers that had a big barrel, uh, weighted barrel on the back so that it actually created those lines in your lawn, you know, like when you watch Wimbledon and stuff, just perfect lawn. And it had the blade that actually cuts the grass rather than chopping it, you know, so it actually cuts it nice, perfect lawn. Anyway, Whenever they were coming to visit, I'd always, a couple of days beforehand, I'd be looking at the lawn and going, oh, I better mow that lawn. Um, That'll be the first thing Donnie noticing. Oh, gee, your lawn needs mowing, Dave. Um, And so this whole thing, and and that's okay. I mean, that's the way life is. That's the way we are as humans. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, And most of the time it works out well for us, but occasionally it doesn't work that well for us. Uh, And we actually do things that aren't that helpful for ourselves and for others. Uh, Like this young guy I know, um, a few years back, who came to uh, chat to me, who'd got himself in a whole lot of debt, a whole lot of credit card debt, because he wanted people to think um, that he was somebody important. Spent enormous amounts of money on watches and clothes and cars, uh, all on his credit card and getting little personal loans, but he was way, way in over his head. So in that case, it had a negative effect, but mostly it's not a bad thing. In actual fact, as we go through this passage, you'll see that Paul actually uses this to do two things. One is to actually help us move in the right direction, and the other is to correct something that's wrong. So let's have a look and see what's actually going on in this passage today. So it's chapter 2 of 2 Timothy's letter and verse 20, and it says this. In a large house... There are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves of the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace 
along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't do anything, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must be quarrel must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to his will. And so there's a couple of really interesting things going on in this passage. Um, The first one is where he uses this analogy, right? So in a large house, immediately this whole kind of world uh, starts to open up for the people who are hearing this and listening to this. Because remember, in the ancient world, um, very few people lived in large houses. It's not like today where no matter where you drive, there's McMansions everywhere. Everyone lives in a huge house. Um, In the ancient world, most people lived in tiny little places that were just big enough uh, to fit their family and a few things and even animals uh, into them. Because it was so hard to build, right? You had to do everything by hand. You had to fell the timber yourself. You had to mill the timber by yourself. Then you had to construct the whole thing by yourself with hand tools. Enormously difficult to do. So the only people who have large houses are those who have enormous resources and who have lots of slaves or a huge family to actually coordinate and do this. Uh, And so when Paul says, in a large house, immediately his audience is starting to think, oh, okay, this is the important people. This is the people who have uh, control over things. These are the people who are in charge of things. This is where important stuff happens uh, inside a large house. This is where the the government and the community decisions are being made over meals uh, as people build relational alliances. And so immediately there's this picture into this world, okay, Um, in a large house, and everybody's kind of got it in their mind, oh, okay, This is something important here. And then it goes on to say, in a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, others for common use. And immediately again, the audience in Paul's world actually gets this straight away. And they're thinking, oh, yeah, of course. When you're ever having dignitaries, when you're having important meetings, when you're having important family uh, gatherings and stuff like that, all the gold and silver comes out for those. Um, But for just the normal everyday stuff and for the servants and all the lowly types, um, they just get the clay and the wood uh, uh, articles in terms of the household and in meals and serving. Now, we don't have much of that in the world today, right? Like in the 21st century uh, in Australia. Actually, maybe there are some people here. Does anyone still have their special silverware that they bring out for very special occasions? If If you're not embarrassed, you can put up your hand. Well, there's a couple. There's still a couple, all right? But most of us don't, right? Most of us have... uh, The reality is most of us have um, articles of gold and silver in in reference to the ancient world. Most of the common stuff we use is of that kind of quality because we're so wealthy here in the West. Um, But in the ancient world, it was only brought out for very special occasions. Now, let me go back to my point I was making before, all right? Immediately, Paul is doing something really important here. He's creating a scene of... This is the special stuff. This is the things where important things are being done. Now, look what he says next. All right. He says, their special purpose and common use. Verse 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. And so there's this immediate thing like, here we go from, what's this whole thing about? What is the house? 
Kingdom of God. Well done. Thank you from someone over there. Who are the articles? You are the articles. What is this good, um, the silver and gold and the wooden clay, the special purposes and the common purposes? Well, let me explain a little bit more about that. That's not as clear. All right. Um, So this whole thing of the old and the new, the common thing is the way of the world, the way things used to be done or the way that is commonly done in the world today, uh, in the ancient world. Right? Um, and then what Paul is saying is if you want to be someone special, if you want to be thought of highly in the kingdom of God, in God's house, by the master, put away the common things. Put away the old ways. And so we get this beautiful kind of picture right at the start that becomes motivating in the sense of this is how human beings operate. We want to be thought of highly. Our behaviours are affected by what we want other people to think of us. If you want the king, the master, to think well of you, if you want to be highly regarded in the kingdom of God, then there's some ways you can live and put away the old ways, put away the ways of the world. Now, you know, we have this um, little sayings around this. We say, you know, like, oh, that's, uh, that's the way of the world or that's the way of the flesh or, you know, who, who can remember when we used to, what used to go commonly in churches was the carnal way. Can anyone remember that? <laughs> I remember when I first became a Christian, I remember hearing that for the first time and had no clue what it was about. The carnal way. And what, what's a carnal way? Is that, is that like a canal or what do you... And then someone explained it to me. All right, this, this way of just doing what seems right in the, in the flesh, in the, just the pure desires of human behaviour. And so what Paul is saying is there is a new way in the kingdom of God, and that which um, Kiara was pointing out to us earlier in that kids' talk. And so what's he saying? What's the old way is the common way. I'm going to come back to that. But what's the new way? And he says this, flee your evil desires uh, of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, unfortunately, mostly when we read this for the first time, if you're just coming through the passage, immediately our minds jump to something with a sexual connotation about the desires of youth or the evil desires of youth. And because most of the time in the scriptures, that is what's being referenced. But not in this case. This is slightly different. Right? There's something else going on here. And this is the other reason why I started where I did with that thing about how our behaviour is shaped by the way we expect other people will think of us and what we expect we should do in response to that. So this is different because look what he actually says in the context of this passage. It's not got to do with sexual stuff. It's got to do with something completely different. Um, Verse 23, it says, Do not have anything to do with foolish arguments because you know they produce uh, quarrels. 24, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but be kind to everyone. You see, in the ancient world, there was a whole culture around the strong man. There was a whole thing about if you wanted to be thought of highly in the community, then you had to actually dominate other people. You had to be over other people. You had to have lots of slaves. You had to have a big family. You had to be in charge of a large group of people in that sense. And you had to have control over them. You had to dominate them in that sense. Um, And if you couldn't do that, then you were seen as a lesser and weaker person in that culture. And so there was this whole thing of actually trying to dominate others in that old world. And so the evil desires of the youth is when you're in your youth, you want to make a name for yourself. You want to be seen as someone important. 
You want to be recognised. And one of the ways that used to happen in the, in the ancient world was by dominating other people, all right? Which then led to quarrels and arguments because one of the ways you demonstrate that you're superior to others and you've got control over others is you argue and you fight with them and you dominate them uh, in a verbal sense and if that doesn't work then you start to move into physical means of dominating other people and so there used to be all this uh, controversy going on in public squares where people were trying to dominate each other um, and to show that they were the higher status person um, in the community so that people would defer to them and they would be thought of as a better person. Now, if you actually deferred to others, if you were kind and gentle and compassionate in the ancient world, you were seen as weak. You were seen as a lesser person in that world. And so that affected the behaviour of the early Christians, particularly in Ephesus. Remember, Ephesus was highly dominated by the Greek culture. This was more a Greek-Roman thing than it was a Hebrew thing. But even in Hebrew um, culture, there was still the same thing where people wanted to be seen of as uh, important people. And they did it differently. They did it by actually um, trying to demonstrate publicly how religious they were, how spiritual they were. Um, Rather than actually any real change in their lives, they tried to have these outward signs. You know what did Jesus criticise the Pharisees for? Praying in public, trying to garner people's uh, uh, support or people's um, uh, praise. What did he criticise them for? About giving in public where everyone could see so people thought well of them. And what did he say? If you're going to pray, pray in a cupboard where no one can see you. Because what is this about? It's about prayer. It's about actually talking to God. What is giving about? It's not about what other people think of you. Giving's about actually uh, helping others and supporting others. And so there was this thing going on in the Jewish culture as well. And so that's what Paul is trying to tackle here in this passage. He's trying to get them to say, if you want to be important, if you want to be thought of highly in the kingdom of God, then put away this old way and start living in this new way. And so what's the new way? Well, there from verse 24 where it says, The Lord's servants must not, or the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. When you have opponents, when you have others who disagree with you, you must be gentle with them and gently instruct them. Why? What's going on here? See, this is the way of the kingdom. This is the culture of the kingdom of God. This is the new world that God is inviting us into and to be part of. And isn't that fantastic? Now, another thing that actually happens that we miss completely the significance of this is often when we read these things, we think they're about rules. We think they're, think, we think they're about this is what a Christian does or this is about what God says we should do. But it's much deeper than that. It's much more important than that. You see, this is not a surface level religious thing. This is actually the deep roots of what it means to have flourishing humanity. This is for us. God is doing this for us. The kingdom of God is about how we communicate with God and interact with God and how we interact with each other in a way that God created us to be. The way that actually flourishes our humanity. That gives us the best possible way to live a life that actually um, kind of creates this sense of well-being in us. And, and draws the best out of us. Just think about it for a minute, all right? Just stop and think. If you're in a culture where the main way of behaving and living is to try and dominate other people, to argue, to fight, to make yourself out to be better than them, 
actually be, get it over people, put it over them and all that. What, what kind of a place is that? It's not a very welcoming, warm, friendly place. It's not a place where you want to be. Now, what, what about the opposite of what the kingdom of God is here? A place that is righteous, full of faith and love and peace. Isn't that the kind of place you want to be? Isn't that the kind of place that actually draws out the best in us? Yes, of course it is. All right? And this is for us. This is what this new way, this kingdom of God is about. It's for humanity to actually have what God intended us, that idea of being the people of God and living in the ways of the kingdom of God. Now, how do we do that? All right, so this is fascinating. That's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to push us in this direction. He's trying to draw us to actually follow God. But how do we do that? Well, the simplest way is to actually find someone else who does it well and copy them. All right? That's the simplest way. Cut, copy, paste. If you see someone doing something where they're kind and compassionate and generous and gentle, just do what they do. A bit like what Paul says in Corinthians when he says, I follow that. Uh, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That same sense of if you have people around you who are good at this, just do what they do. Just remember the situations they're in and the way they've acted and do the very same thing. Now, I've seen some people who are great at this and who have been a great example to me. I know on the board um, and the times when I've served on the board, often there is um, some really robust conversations happening because we're talking about really important matters that affect the whole church. And it's really important that we get it right. And people are invested in this, really committed to it. And so people have strong opinions in those environments. Now, it's easy for that kind of a thing to devolve into just trying to dominate and get your own way and prove that you are right. It's easy for that to happen. But some who are really good at this have a great way of doing it. And there are a couple of people on the board I've learned a lot from. And they do this. This is brilliant. So I was in a conversation where having this great big um, discussion and this person said, said, look, I understand what you're saying, right? I understand why it's so important to you. And look, I'm happy to defer to the group um, when we make a decision. But I have a different perspective on this. I have a different way of seeing this. I would like to explain it. And so what they've actually done in that moment, instead of escalating the, the kind of uh, conversation of trying to get their point across, instead of escalating it, they've actually brought it back down. They've validated the person. They've been gentle with the person. They've actually said, look, this is not about me dominating the group. They've actually acknowledged that they'll go with the group decision. But they've also said, this is important to me and I have an opinion. And so they've been able to do this whole thing in a way that creates love, faith and actual peace. Isn't that brilliant? Cut, copy, paste. Do that. If you're in those kind of situations, find ways to do that or, or whatever the situation might be. You, you will know people who are good at this stuff. Cut, copy, paste. Now, if you don't, if, if you haven't got those sorts of people around you or you find yourself in lots of so many um, diverse situations, it's hard to do this kind of imagining how you could do this in a way that brings the kingdom of God. Paul gives us two other ways we can do this, or two other ways you can actually help move towards being more like uh, the person of peace that Paul is trying to actually emphasise here. So the first thing is where he says this, opponents must be gently instructed, now listen carefully, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, 
leading them to the knowledge of truth. And so the first thing is, if you find yourself in these difficult conversations, um, these quarrels with others, remember, the first thing is, it's not about you. (laughs) It's not about you winning the conversation. It's not about you winning the argument. It's not about you proving that you're right and they're wrong. What does Paul say? It's about them. It's about uh, that God might grant them repentance and they might be led to the truth. What we need to do is actually think, what about the other person? How can I communicate in a way that actually helps this person understand what I'm saying? How can I communicate in such a way that values this person so they know it's not about me and me dominating, it's about them and them understanding something? It's a brilliant kind of uh, thing that Paul's doing here. We've got to kind of shift this thing when we're, we're talking with others, move the focus away from ourselves towards what the other person needs to help them discover the truth and turn back to God in whatever the circumstances might be. And in that way, we create an environment that's righteous, faithful, loving, and a, a, an environment of peace when we do that, rather than when we argue and fight with people and we escalate the conflict um, as we go. And then the second thing that Paul gives us here, uh, at the end of that same passage, um, where it says, opponents, verse 25, where it says, opponents must be gently instructed. Then verse 26, where it says, and they will come, sorry, and they will come to their senses, escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to his will. Now, the second thing we've got to keep in mind when we're in these things is to remind ourselves again that we're in a spiritual battle. This is not just about people and dominating others and getting our way. This is a spiritual battle. There's something more important at play here. Unfortunately, what often happens when we get into these uh, quarrels or debates or uh, talking with other people, trying to prove ourselves to be right, unfortunately what happens is this. We get this thing. um, Is that going to come on? There we go. It's not going to work on this one. Uh, on my slide at home, the feather tail comes up and goes over so you can see the big peacock move. Um, anyway, the point of it being, um, often what happens is we actually think we're morally, spiritually and intellectually superior to the other person and we're trying to learn them. We're trying to teach them the right way and if only they would be like me and do what I do, then they'd be like me and they'd be good. Right? <laughs> That's what we often do. That's how we come to these things. Um, and what Paul's trying to say here is, look, it's not about that. They're uh, deceived by the devil. This is actually a spiritual battle that's going on. We've got to come to this and understand that I didn't come to my knowledge because I am intellectually and morally superior. How did I come to know the truth of the scriptures? How did I come to know the truth of God? Because God revealed it to me. Not because I'm somehow more important or special or, or different to others, but because there's something spiritual has taken place. What is the, happens with Peter when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples or in the joke, wherever he is with the disciples, I can't remember exactly. And he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And he says, blessed are you, Peter. God has revealed this to you, not man. It's the spiritual revelation that comes from the spirit that we have that's led us in the way of truth. We've got to remember that when we're talking to others. It's not that we're better than them. 
We've got to remember our humanity and have some humility. That I am just the same as anyone else. I am as lost as anyone else, except that God has opened my eyes to see this. Except that the Spirit has shown me what, which way I should go in these things. And that's what we need to be thinking when we're talking with others about difficult issues, uh, and particularly when it comes to theological stuff. That remembering that if a person is going down the wrong track, and this is, okay, this is not debating the finer points of the second coming, all right? Where, where we're all kind of close, we're on the same page, we're still saying Jesus is king, we're still saying Jesus is returning, but we're arguing about the difference of timing. We're not talking about that sort of thing. We're talking more about the thing where we start saying that Jesus is just a man. Or we start saying the thing like Jesus was a, um, a moral teacher but wasn't actually the son of God. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here that Paul is um, alluding to, not the finer points of things. So this is where we actually have to remember people's humanity. And if they've been deceived, um, they are in the same position you and I would be in if it hadn't been for the revelation of the Spirit. All right. So let me kind of pull it all together and... Just give us these three things to finish up on. So what's this all about? So let's flee the evil desires of our youth. That's the old way, all right? Trying to dominate others, prove that we're more important, prove that we're smarter, prove that we're morally superior. Let's put that behind us. That's the way of the old way. Let's actually be special to the king. Let's be the, the articles that are used for all the good works, which is actually to be a person of peace, love, faith, and peacefulness, righteousness. Let's foster those things in our lives. And how do we do it? Let's just copy others who do it well. Let's just copy others when you see them doing it. That's the easiest way. But if you don't have that great example around you, then simply start thinking about others rather than yourself. What's the best thing for them? What's the best thing that's going to help them understand what I understand and see? And then have empathy when people are blinded by, the, by Satan um, and by the devil. Have some empathy for them because that's the position we would be in if it wasn't for the Spirit revealing something to us. Can I encourage you in those things? Yeah. All right. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you again for your word. Uh, and um, again, this amazing kind of uh, revelation that Paul is giving to Timothy and then to us that we might actually be used by you and be those special articles, Father that we might put behind us the old ways, the ways of the world, the ways of dominating others, and we might actually open up this whole new way of being the children of the king and live in such a way as to bring transformation to our world in bringing peace, kindness, gentleness and love to all who are around us. Yeah. Help us to be those people, Father, so we might bring glory to your name. Amen.